Listener Production. commentator and journalist Greg Rust and this is Rusty's Garage. For this episode I'm in New Zealand south of Auckland ahead of the final ever supercars event at Bukakoe before the track closes in April 2023. My guest is Lee Holdsworth one of the most respected drivers in the sport. His Bathurst win in December 21 with Chas Mostert and the Walkinshaw Andretti United team was a popular one and a significant breakthrough in Lee's career. He finally put a great race win on that CV. The timing of our conversation follows his recent announcement that Lee will retire from full-time driving at season's end. We talk about Bathurst, the future of some of his on- and off-track plans. Through our convo, you'll get a sense of his incredible loyalty, one of the hallmarks of his career. Insights into important relationships that have been pivotal to doors that he worked hard to open along the way and how even those that were tested, like his association with Charlie Schwerkolt, for example, Lee extended the olive branch on to get things back on track. They're good now. This is a two-part chat, more than an hour 45 of conversation, and both of them are available for your listening pleasure, hopefully, in our Rusty's Garage library right now. We are sitting outside in the backyard of his Grove Racing stablemate, Matt Payne's parents' place. It's a sunny day. The louver on the cover of the outdoor area is open. The family cat even makes a cameo along the way. We begin at a turning point in life and racing for Lee. Welcome. Thank you. It is good to catch up with you, but at a really timely point. Let's start with if you don't mind, retirement mark two, or from full-time driving at least, anyway. And it sounds like it's more on your, on your my, terms. A little bit more on my terms, terms these, exactly. this time. Um, retirement mark one certainly was uh, out of the blue for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, at the end of 2020, came out of Bathurst and you know, I was pretty upbeat about that weekend. We provisional pole and... Uh, finished up seventh with Caruso, which wasn't the result that we were after, but it still wasn't too bad. And um, and felt we'd made some good steps with the car, at least for qualifying, you know, because, um, as you know, this category's mostly about qualifying. And uh, and we'd found a couple of little tweaks in the car that were really good for switching that tyre on. And then after Bathurst, um, yeah, thought, beauty, 2021 will be a good year. And, uh, and then got the phone call that uh, 2021 wasn't going to be well wasn't it was a late, it was like a late it was, in the game phone was, call was too a, wasn't it it, it was, was a very late phone call hmm. so yeah um long story short i yeah didn't have a drive for the following year because tickford moved from four cars down to three mm-hmm. and uh i was the the sacrificial lamb and all that um and you then had you to, okay with that now like a bit of time yeah, like, to, yeah. to be honest like I, at the time i understood it mm-hmm. i was pissed off but I understood it, and I understood it from. Oh, I can always see both sides, you know. I'm not completely biased, like you know some people, but um, I uh, I could understand their point of view. You know, if you don't have the money to run the car, you can't run it. Mm. Um, so, and plus they they only had three licenses. So what were they meant to do? Someone had to take the fall. 
and uh, and Jack had brought truck assist with him, um, and you know they were on my car. So when Super Cheap left, um, truck assist went on to Jack's car. So yeah, it was you know it was pretty. You know, I could understand why I was the one that was leaving and no one else. Um, but yeah, it wasn't the way. You know, for me. Um, I hadn't planned for the following year with anything else, obviously, because I knew, you know, I'd had a contract in front of me. So then it came to the point where I thought, well, you know, it was too late in the game to get a drive for the 2021. What's going through your mind at this point? Because you're probably thinking, I mean, you're still late 30s, you still got lots of good stuff you had yeah. to, to to want to do, to, 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 to tick, to achieve. It would have been quite hard to deal with privately, I would have well, thought. It was hard in a few ways. Um, I'd been trying for a long time to get back into a competitive seat and I'd finally felt like I'd done that and I was pretty you know comfortable I had good teammates um I had you know working well with my engineer um and enjoyed the people that I was working with uh so and then you know we'd just come off two years of of COVID related Mm. you know challenges and um so you know um yeah it was it was a massive hit you know, personally, I think was was the hardest thing. Uh, you know, you 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 go through this whole career sacrificing everything for the sport that you love. Since we were, you know, since you 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 know knee height to a grasshopper, you concentrate on doing this as a profession, and you don't really focus on a life outside of motorsport. Uh, so yeah, at that point, I just had nothing to go to. And um, that was you, a real. Were you, were you difficult to live with then? And what was yeah, what was Alana I was. like? I mean, she's obviously you know was, your, your yeah. biggest supporter. How did she? Yeah, Alana uh, was a massive, massive support, and and we just to make matters worse. At the start of 2021, we went through some, um, you know, more personal challenges with, uh, you know, we we um, had a miscarriage at 32 weeks. Okay. Uh, so that was in January. So the the hits just kept coming, and. Um, you know, whilst we're on the ground, we'd cop another, you know, kick to the guts. And um, so, yeah, that was probably the most difficult time of my life up to this point, for sure. And, you know, um, and then it came down to I was trying to support Alana, but then at the same time she was probably supporting me more, which wasn't fair. And uh, But she helped get me back, um, you know, to where I am now, Um you know, she's been a massive support throughout my whole career and wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't have gone as long or maybe not even got into the sport um, professionally if it wasn't for her. So she's been there, you know, since I started, you know, when I was 20 years old and, and then, yeah, became professional when I was 22. Um, and, uh, and, and so she got me back on track and, you know, I, I got my life back together and... Um, tried to support her as much as I could at the same time so uh yeah um got a got a picked up a good enduro gig and got a job with uh with a tool company as an ambassador and and then you know I knew that that wasn't going to last forever and I was doing TCR as well and then back to that whole chasing budgets and stuff Mm. like that which Mm. it's hard you know Mm. that's the stuff you do at the start of your career not not at the end um, so I sort of wondered what the hell I was doing with myself, and um, and I spent the year looking for other jobs, other opportunities. In what? And in what? well, I was reaching out to my sponsors, and I had a an opportunity with um, I'd spoken to Marcus Preston, who Preston hire, yep. 
Uh, and um, oh, the boys are sitting there taking <laughs> photos, Matt Payne and David Reynolds. Reynolds. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, so, yeah, um, he, he'd, he'd presented an opportunity to me which was looking really cool and, uh, and then sat down with one of Riley, my, my son's best friend's dads, who, I, who we've got to know pretty well over the last few years. Uh, he's, you know, I was having a beer in lockdown, um, even though we weren't meant to be. And, uh, and, and he said, what's the next move for you, mate? And I said, honestly, I, I just don't know. I'm at a fork in the road. Um, you know, all I know is racing. And now I've got to try and find something else, which I've never pre- prepared for in my life, which I just thought, I'm pretty stupid. You know, got to that point and I thought, why haven't I prepared myself? Yeah, but that's but, hard, that's hard though because you know you made a lot of sacrifices when you were younger to do this. It was your, your pure passion, which you just you just talked about. Suddenly, beyond your control, the drug is going to stop, yeah. and not everyone does that. But because you, you just you, you have to be immersed in it, mate, to make it work. You have to don't be. You? Hmm. you have to be. Yeah, and and I often say to young kids, try to have something on the side, but then at the same time, you're like. But if you're concentrating on something else, you can't put full focus into racing, which you need to be professional in to become professional in racing. You you have to sacrifice everything. But then at the end of it all, you're pretty much left with not a lot. You know, you've got. Well, it depends which way you look at it. You 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 come out of it with great connections, which we can use to our advantage in business, um, and uh, you know some great relationships, a lot of people skills, um, public speaking, you know, a little bit of sales in that we had to sell ourselves to personal sponsors and that sort of thing. So you sort of come out of it with, with a lot of skills but um, no qualifications and in in racing there's only so far you can go and really the way that I see it, you know, it's, it's the pinnacle is being the driver mm-hmm. um, but where do you go after that? And, um, and that's what I see is so hard for the drivers and in any sport I think it's hard but it's probably a little bit more support in some other sports than what we have in supercars and we've often looked at driver unions and that sort of thing and having an association to help position yourself better for not, after. Not, not all managers do that well either they're, they're there for those that use yeah. them along the way and, and help commercially yeah but not all of them have this kind of succession planning thing do no, they? no 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 mm. definitely i think you know the managers are mostly focused on getting the drivers into the best seat possible and trying to get sponsors for the drivers and and that's probably as far as it goes to be honest i don't think they look beyond racing itself so anyway Chris O'Brien is his name mm-hmm. and uh, from CBRE Commercial Real Estate. And he said, have you thought about real estate? <laughs> I said, not a chance. I said, I'm not a salesman. He said, you don't have to be. You just have to be good with building relationships and um, you know, have good connections. And I thought, well, okay, well, I think I'm pretty good at both of those things. So um, he suggested a new business line for CBRE, which was an industry, you know, the industry that I've been involved in, which is automotive and um, oil and gas and service stations and uh, car dealerships, all that sort of stuff. And um, they didn't have anyone that really specialises in it just yet. And they thought this could be right up my alley. So, um, you know, when that opportunity came about, I couldn't really, like, I, it, was, it was exciting. And um, I thought, I've got to give this a crack. So... The plan was to go full-time this year mm-hmm. uh, and then 
Bathurst rolls around. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty special moment in your life. Pretty special, yeah. Yeah, very special. And, you know, I always... Ha- I never thought that we wouldn't have a chance of winning that race. Like, you go there, I've been there so many times, and there's probably never been a time where I've been as confident going into that race as last year. Um, a great team, great driver, Chaz. Um, you know, I knew that Chaz is fast there. Walkinshaw's always did a good job with um, with strategy as well and had good, good fuel economy. So going into that race, you know, I had this mindset that nothing was going to be good enough but a win, and you don't get that often, you know, but when you, when you get that feeling... You, uh, you sort of, like, you, it doesn't come for no reason. You know that you, you're going to have a great opportunity. And we just had a ripper time. And, and in the lead up to it, you know, we had a couple of, we had great test days. Um, Is that where you got the, the, the confidence feeling? Is it, what, well, what, were you... I, I, was, I was a little bit concerned about the, the height difference between myself and Chaz and his driving style and whether I'd fit in with that, Um but from the first test day, I jumped in and honestly, it was like I, I had a pretty big seat insert. It was like a phone book. <laughs> but um, uh, I was comfortable and, and the car was comfortable for me to drive and it was sort of like, well, what do I need? And, you know, I'd give my feedback and it'd be exactly the same as Chaz. And so we could just jump in and out of the car and, and keep tuning it, which was great because sometimes drivers like little subtle differences um which can be you know it can be the difference between a couple of tents on the track but Chaz and I just wanted exactly the same thing and and even more so when it came to Bathurst so I think in the practice sessions as soon as we drove out as soon as I drove out for my session I thought I think Chaz had his session first and it was looking strong and then I rolled out went yep this is feeling pretty bloody good um we knew we sort of we because we rolled out such a great car, we got to that point where we were probably preempting the track conditions for each each session, and um, so we we sort of felt like we were probably one step ahead of everyone from the start of the week. Because you know, generally you roll out and okay, we got understeer over the top, or you know, we need more rear wing, and then it affects other parts of the track when you Just do from do the that. And mm. So we um. To have that balance at the start of the week was really cool and we sort of felt like we had that in our pocket pretty early in the week and we just kept building on it and and then just we got to a point where we were like, well, what do we need to do? Okay, well, let's try, if this happens with the track, we want to know what we need to do to tune the car. So then we're just trying stuff that we really didn't, you know, it was it was just a bonus and, um, you know, and, and becomes qualifying and the race and we all know what happened it was yeah we just had a dominant car and it was just such an enjoyable weekend and um and I guess looking back on that now um it's contributed a bit to the decision that I've come to to retire that I've ticked that box um yes I would have loved to have won it as a main driver and still you know this year's still an opportunity uh but you know, I was I was proud of my efforts in that race, and um, and to bounce back from what had happened in 2020, um, I was pretty satisfied with with stepping outside of motorsport at the end of 2021. But then the phone rang. Um, well, it actually rang in the lead up to the race, mm-hmm. and uh, from Stephen Grove, who said that um, they were interested in putting me in the car for the following year. Let's chat 
after the round and on the Tuesday rang me and, and said, uh, we, we want to sign you. So at that point I thought, shit, I've already decided I'm full-time next year with CBRE and... Um, but, you know, so I had to juggle a few things and try and line it all up and, you know, CBRE, Chris O'Brien was very supportive of it and, and you know, knew that if there's an opportunity to keep going in this sport full-time, um, I remember he said to me after the race, mate, you can't, you can't stop racing after that. How fantastic. Yeah, yeah so mm. um, now I'm part-time, so I went on a part-time basis and, um, uh, and, and had this agreement that we'll go full-time once supercars full-time uh, full-time racing is over so a bit to unpack here and i'm going to dive in different directions if we can firstly you had because of what unfolded in COVID, a, a bit of a plan which is good maybe it came about not in a manner that you were were anticipating in a in a in a planning a long-term planning sense but you had something so at what point this year knowing you'd been through all of that come back one bathurst and so on at what point did you go okay, I'm going to call time. Where were you when you made that decision? What did you tell Alana and so on? Well, I'd only done a 12-month deal with Stephen Grove, or Grove Racing, Penrite Racing, and um, so I always thought that this would be my last year. Okay. I never thought that another opportunity would, would arise at the end of this year. Um, you know, you don't... It's not, it's not ideal doing a 12-month deal, but, um, you know, it was a great... For me, it, it, I had in my mind that this gives me an opportunity to come back and finish on my own terms and, you know, finish the way that I want to finish um, and and know when my time is up. And so I had that in mind, but then an opportunity popped up and it was a, it was a very good opportunity that, you know, it was a hard, hard decision to say no. Um, but once... And, and that was developing well before Sandown and then Sandown rolled around and I hit 500 races which hmm. I thought like I never thought about it I I never thought about how many races I'm up to Um, but then once I hit 500 I look at at the names that I was amongst with those pretty cool club mate yeah cool cool club club. and I thought that's that's a hell of a lot of races (laughs) 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 and uh a lot of challenges along the way, but heaps of enjoyment. And I thought, you know, like I've ticked so many boxes that I wanted to tick in this sport. Yes, I would have loved to have won more races or a championship. You know, I don't think any of us come out of it entirely satisfied with what we've done. But um, whether you've run one, you know, one race or you've won a hundred races, I'm sure Wincup would have probably liked to have won a few more um, or Lounds or whoever. But um, I just thought, you know, I. I it's probably time. I've got something in the background now. There's probably kids that want it more than me now um, and are prepared to sacrifice more than I am. And plus, Alana and, and the kids have given so much back or given so much to me in the in what they've sacrificed as well that I thought, you know, it's time to, time to be a real, you know, a, a dad that's at home each weekend and... Um, helping out with the kids' sport, which is just getting more and more full on, and and I love it. Like I love being involved. I, I help coach um, Ava's basketball team, and awesome. just really enjoy that side of it. But you know, um, are, you competi- time- are you competitive, coach? What are you like? Only a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that shock me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the BMX dad, though. I'm not the BMX dad. Uh, so yeah, I um, I told Alana she was 
she just wanted me to do it. She wanted it to be my decision. Good stuff. Um, and I knew it had been quite hard. It's been quite hard on her. Probably, uh, probably the last few years has been really hard. You know, we going through last year. That was a terrible year, apart from a few great things. But um, and that took its toll. And then so I, I just thought, you know, it's time to to man up and you know get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and I can do that and support my family and and also be there each weekend for my family as well so um she was really supportive of the decision i made and um i think she's pretty happy with it you used the word mindset before i'm not a religious person right but 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 you clearly are at peace with this this is this is a good thing yeah. you you're really comfortable with it i can sense that in you mate. very very mm. very comfortable uh you know i i think I, I look back at how it all played out in 2020 and you know what, what I went through what we went through last year and you sound like you know people always say things happen for a reason mm. and last year I'm like what what's the reason for this like why mm. and now I look back I'm like that's the best thing that ever happened to me was was what happened at the end of 2020 um you know probably wouldn't be a Bathurst winner right now uh had that not have happened and wouldn't have a great opportunity outside the sport either. So, you know, it was a character building. Um, uh, you know, you sort of realise who who's your greatest support out there and what, you know, how many fans you have and, and, and how much uh, support you have within the sport as well. So, you know, I think um, I, I'm just... I, I'm, like I'd be, I'd just be hanging on to it if if that hadn't happened because I would, I still wouldn't had something outside of motorsport to go to. Mm-hmm. And you've you've ticked the, you know, for now at least yeah. the, the one thousand box, haven't yeah. you? Which is a yeah. great, a massive thing for your CV. Okay, a couple of things. Um, Bathurst this year with a young bloke at Penrite Racing. What that's what's that going to be like? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's listening at he's the moment, so I better, I better be careful. <laughs> Look at the pair at the. We're looking inside. We're at Matt Payne's place at Pukekohe. I don't know what the hell those two are up to. Reynolds is on. The laptop. He's That's got a, a PlayStation controller on. <laughs> <laughs> they're like two peas in a pod. They got. They both got the mindset of a fifteen-year-old. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a good young talent, isn't he? Yeah, What's he, is. he like? He, he's great. Hmm. I'm looking forward to um, teaming up with Maddie. Um, he's he's come so far, probably in the last twelve months. I mean, I think everyone knew he always had the the ability. Um, he's maturing a lot. We saw last year um he had great speed but then you know there'd be mistakes um but we you know one thing that gary always said to me you can uh gary rogers i'm referring to he said you can train someone to slow down but it's very hard to make them speed up and i think he's you know, he's definitely got that he's 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 fast um yeah, he's just, uh, you know, as he matures, he's going to get better and better. And, um, you know, Bathurst is a long race and it's one race that, uh, you know, it's hard for the, the rookies. Uh, but he's going to be there in his Super 2 car. He's going to be doing a hell of a lot of laps there. But, yeah, I think I'm hoping that, you know, having him having someone with experience around there, myself, uh, you know, I know what you go through as a young guy around there and the, the head you know, the head games that you fight with yourself, within yourself. Um, you've just got to remain calm and enjoy it and not take any 
crazy risks and um, that's the hard part for the young guys. So, yeah, I think I think I'll be a bit of a calming influence for him, and yeah, hopefully, I think you know we'll we'll, we'll be strong together. You may not be able to talk about the detail here, so uh, if you can't, that that's totally fine. It, it sounds as though Ryan said, "Okay, no problem." Ryan Walkinshaw, I'm talking here. You can go off and and do the Grove thing. That's a great opportunity to go and do full time driving again. But we want you back when that's over. Will you go back and do endurance races with them? It sounds like that's. You know, would you know, I go back? Yeah, of course you would. Oh, of course you would. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, wouldn't why wouldn't you? Why exactly. wouldn't I? Exactly. I look. I, I had a two-year deal with with Walkinshaws for endurance driving, and they were great to release me from that to to come and do the the Grove racing thing. Um, yeah, look, I I I, I can't speak about what's yep. going on for next year at this stage, but um, you know, I I feel you know I'm I'm, I'm confident that. I'll be in You're something happy. pretty decent next year. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but, yeah, I think that'll all pan out in the next four weeks or so. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to announce so early about what I'm, my plans for next year uh, was so I can enjoy the last four rounds of the year and, and say goodbye. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people in the sport that – great drivers who have exited the sport without being able to say goodbye mm. you know gt's one of them um he went into the break uh thinking he was coming back the following year and you know and and his time came to an end so i think you know that's unfair for some you know, for a lot of drivers and um you know i, I just thought that it, it's pretty cool to be able to actually say see you later thanks and um and enjoy the last four rounds so that's where you know my focus is on getting the best results for the rest of the year and you know whatever happens for enduros happens over the next four weeks and um but i don't have to worry too much about it i don't think you got the next chapter organized it's been your life for effectively 20 years gonna be hard to stop going full-time going to rounds going to you know the circus the family that is that is supercars on a regular basis yeah i i Absolutely, you know it's, it becomes like a family. The the community, like we all know each other. There's mechanics that have been around, you know, since I started in, and they're spread across every team in the in the paddock. Um, in every team in the category, I know someone that I've worked with, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so I'm going to miss that, yeah, for sure. But what I really want to do is get back to, you know, at some points in the game when you don't feel you got the right opportunities it becomes a bit of a job and mm. you don't want that like yeah. it, it's shouldn't be a grind it's the Should dream you know mm. it's what we what i always dreamed of doing is is racing in supercars and you get to that point where it becomes a job and I, so i think next year i need a little bit of time just to get away mm-hmm. and and realize why i love it again mm-hmm. um you know if, if i go out and win this weekend, Pukekohe, I'll love it again. <laughs> um, I haven't lost my – like, uh, you know, for the punters at home, um, I haven't lost my love for the sport. It's just we go away to win and when you're not doing that, it's, you know, it becomes a bit of a grind. I, I think we understand the differentiation. Don't yeah. – don't, don't, um, that's not misplaced. Uh, I, I think, you know, you naturally want to win. That's how you're, you're programmed. And when you can't do that – 
on a regular basis. I guess that, that gets hard, but it doesn't mean when you slip behind the wheel that you still don't love firing up that supercar. It yeah. doesn't mean that, does it? hundred percent, no. I mean, every time you jump in the car, you got this like burning desire to, mm. to be the fastest out there, to to get pole, to get the race win. But unfortunately, you, you can't always do that mm. and you don't always have the opportunity to do it. So I... Um, I mean, coming back last year and, and doing that uh, with with Chaz at Bathurst was like it was it was refreshing to me to to go up against one of the guys that's the best in one of the best in the category. Or um, yeah, certainly, in my view, Chaz is up there in the top two or three in the category. And and then to be a close match with him was like okay, you know, I realise I've still got it, and I want to make sure that I make the most of this opportunity and then looking back at the rest of my career I sort of feel like I've made the most of every opportunity I've had mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've ever been uh you know in in equipment that was capable of of winning or getting podiums without actually achieving that mm-hmm. so um yeah I'm 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 satisfied um but yeah I think once I sit back and just I'm away for it for a little bit I reckon uh I reckon I'll be ringing my brother and saying, hey, can you roll out that TA2 car? Let's go for a test day. Let's do a test day. Have you driven one of those things yet? I have, yeah. What I did have. you think? I, well, like I said, my brother's got one. Mm. So I, I did a couple of test days with him last year and had so much fun. fun. So mm. much fun. Man, they, they sort of... It, and, and people grab quotes from us about yeah, this so that they you know, yep. use it yep. against supercars Listen and stuff to it like in that. full. Listen to it in full. Yeah, yeah but yeah. like it, it's... It's it's what drivers want. You know mm. what what I love to drive is a car that slides. The crowd want to see that too. Mm. They want to see something that's that slides, hard to drive, um, doesn't suffer from you know aero wash from the car in front, mm. so you can race close. Really, the direction and hear this, journos, the direction that the Gen Three is going, um, and that's that's what we want. So yeah, that's why I enjoy it so much and. Um, I might do it. Yeah, maybe I'll do a race or two in that next year. Good stuff. Okay, watch this space. Hey, I want to rewind the clock to Bathurst because I have a very vivid recollection in my mind of walking into the Walkinshaw garage on a couple of occasions and you seated by Ryan there and, you know, we focused on that tyre issue at one point during the race and, you know, that's the the media kind of role. For that last 20 laps or so, what were you like knowing – Oh my god! Shit! I might finally, finally do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had people texting me saying, "Oh, you guys have got this in the bag." I'm like, oh, "Shut as up!" It's, as it's happening, as it's happening, yeah, as oh, it's no. happening. <laughs> and um, and I could see at some points. I'm reading my text. I look up at the telly, and the the, the camera's actually on me. And I'm thinking, I just like I I didn't know what to think. I just didn't want to like I I've been there too many times mm. where you think, "Hey, this is looking good. Um, we're on here." So you don't let and yourself then, do that? No, no, yeah. I couldn't do it. Mm, mm. And to be honest, for for me and, and looking back, um, the best thing, like the most rewarding thing was that we had that tyre failure mm-hmm. and we bounced back from it. That was the cool thing because, yes, we had a great car. Yes, we started on pole. Yes, we, we were leading the race for quite some time. Um, but then that happened and it was like, far out, we're going to, like, we've got the car to bounce back, but this is a challenge now. Like, and it was, it was actually exciting because it was like, we can, like, we can still win this, you know. Um, 
and and that's you know we had to we had to then take some risks with passes and um, you know our driving we had to push hard to to get back to where we wanted to be which was to lead the race obviously um, so yeah um, those last few laps was like you know Shane Shane playing games at one point trying to back Chaz up um, which worked but Chaz bounced back from it like it was. Shane's a bit of a he's a he's a sneaky racer sometimes. He's a very smart racer, but he can be very sneaky and um and sometimes it can screw people over. And I was just thought, please, just like I, I all I was thinking is, as long as we don't end up in a crash here, Chaz will fight back and and we've got the car speed to win. So um yeah, eventually you know pit stops rolled around, we got back to the front, um, and then we we're able to. You know, manage the gap, I suppose. And Shane was pushing hard. Um, I was just praying that we didn't have another tyre failure. And I, I just didn't relax up until I thought when he came out of, like, all the team were up and about when he came out of Forest Elbow. And I thought, can still have a tyre failure down Conrod here. <laughs> so you were I, thinking, you were oh, thinking man, that. honestly, I just thought, I, I, I never ever. I've, I get ahead of myself sometimes and I thought, I'm not getting ahead of myself here. And I waited until he was in the chase and then I thought, we got it, we've won. And, yeah, ran over to the fence and celebrated really hard. How'd that feel? Oh, incredible, incredible. To, like at the time, I, I think I was that stressed and that had that much adrenaline that it hadn't sunk in yet. Like mm. it, was, it was quite strange. And I reckon I get more emotional about it now than what I did at the time. Was like, we just won Bathurst, and and it wasn't, it just wasn't registering in my head what You'd done. that we'd actually done it. Because mm. um, you know, it was my was it my eighteenth attempt or something or seventh seventh eighteenth? I sounds, think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and I've been on the podium there. I've I've led the race for you know two thirds of the race. Unbelievable fights with Murph just to get a podium yeah, at one point. Yeah, and all so mm. there's been moments where I've thought, geez, that could have been our year. Mm. And then to finally f- to finally get one was just incredible. And then, um, yeah, hanging over the pit fence, the pit wall was really cool. And, yeah, every time I look at that photo, the the emotions come back to me. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so but but now to look back and go, I've actually got that on the CV, like that's... That's mega, you know, and and then to think like if I was if I was you know thinking about how my kids would feel about it in twenty years time to go, Dad won Bathurst. That's um yeah that that cuts me deep too. Does it? <laughs> Did it change your world? Like you know school drop offs or there he is, he's a Bathurst yeah, winner. Yeah. You know, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's what you you know the, you get that. When when people look at your career, they look at the highest moments, and you know some people don't. They some people win a lot of races, but they don't win Bathurst, or you know they might win a championship, but they you know some people still don't get to win Bathurst, and you sort of get, I think, a, a bit of a label when you've won Bathurst that you know, hey, that's the guy that won Bathurst last year, and um, you know people probably wouldn't say that so much about. Hey, that's the guy that won in Queensland Raceway a couple of weeks ago, or wherever else. Um, 
or, or even, you know, it's the guy that won the championship. It doesn't have that effect on people because whether you're a motor racing fanatic or not, people still know the Bathurst 1000. So it's, um, it's the grand final and we've won it. You've been driver's driver and, and your respect for a long time among your constituencies um, is incredible. What was some of the reaction from the people that you you go to war with every couple of weeks and things like that? That would have, I would imagine there's been a lot of love for the fact that you were you were finally able yeah, to do that. Yeah, no, that, it was it was amazing. I, uh, I genuinely felt like people were happy for me. They you were. know, like we, you, we're always happy for the winner, and you know, think that whoever wins it is deserving of it. But yeah, it was genuinely like the the it just felt very genuine from the other drivers that came over and congratulated me. Other teams, um, team owners, all the rest of it. Yeah, that was um, that was very cool. So uh, yeah, I, I've got a lot. Of, you know, we all, we all have a lot of respect for each other out there on the track. Um, probably even more for each other off the track. <laughs> Definitely more. But you know, I. Um, you know, someone said to me, are you sick of people saying that you're the nice guy? I'm like, well, you know what, it, it pisses me off in a way because in some, like, I, I don't think that the other drivers think that about me on track. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I don't give them an inch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I take pride in, in that label outside of the race car. As you should. Yeah. As you should. Final on this on this Bathurst subject because we could we could unpack it for for ages here. How wounded were you? What were the celebrations like? <laughs> Ryan Ryan does enjoy a, a good celebration. What was that like? Oh man, <laughs> I I couldn't get to a beer quick enough. Hey. Like, seriously, I'm like, is there beer in this trophy? As soon as we got it, um, so. <laughs> but also, I'd heard what else has gone into that trophy, so I thought I probably shouldn't drink out of that. <laughs> but as soon as we got back to the, uh, we we went up to this lodge, which is not far from the track, where all the Walkinshaw crew were already hard on the gas when yeah. um when Chaz and I got back, and man, we downed some beers so quick, and um we just like it was the biggest celebration. It was so cool, and then that went on through the night, uh, and then I I think it's pretty, I, I think it's. I don't know, you sort of feel like you deserve a sleeping in the morning, mm-hmm. but you don't get it. Like you, it's <laughs> like they, want, you're into it. Yeah, they yeah. want to torture you the next day. <laughs> they know that you're parting hard, but they want to torture you. So you get up and you've got a sunrise interview at 6.30 and you got your jumper on backwards and, you know, <laughs> you're wiping a bit of vomit off your face and, <laughs> and then you're talking to Koshi on the buddy. <laughs> so, um, oh, good day, Lee. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> So it was uh, this painful, but I was lucky because I probably had my last drink about half an hour before. So I was lucky because the hangover hadn't actually set in just yet. I'm, I'm lying about the vomit on the face. I didn't I have that till later in the day. Um, but yeah, so but you know what? Like the torture was worth it because totally. you're just like that actually happened yesterday, yeah. and I don't really care that I feel like absolute crap right now. <laughs> And then, you know, you roll into another interview and then by about midday, you're like, oh, God. But um, honestly, I, I could have lived with a hangover for three months after that and not cared. But, um, I, you know, to get back, uh, I, I think I actually, oh, I probably shouldn't say that on air, but I got back that night 
back to Melbourne. Um, no, I did get some sleep before I left and, um, and then had the long drive home and just reflected on the way home and then got back to Alana and the kids and, yeah, that was, like, that was cool. Was it? Yeah. What'd they say? Because when they're younger like that, they kind of know a bit about what Dad does, but it maybe doesn't fully register the significance of Bathurst or or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Mm. I I think definitely, you know, they... Well, they've been around... You know, Riley's nearly six and and Ava's been around for a good part of my career. She was born in 2012 when I went to Stone Brothers. And um, so she's seen the highs and lows of motorsport and, um, you know, she certainly knows how much I put into it. And what she uh, so I think the like she was screaming and it was just it was so cool to see that it meant something Beautiful. to them as well. Mm. And I think the fact that all their friends knew about it as well was like, wow, like, you know, they probably thought, Oh, this is actually pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what he so, does. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so people watch it. <laughs> um Yeah, so that that was that was a proud moment, you know, to see that my kids were actually proud of me. Lee's supercar's journey recently ticked over 500 races. He went from 1 to 500 and had a beautiful surprise to celebrate the milestone. Please stick around to hear Lee speak about his present and some of the fun stories from those early years. Disclaimer. He drives into a fence. In that difficult period, with a little bit of help from Betty Clemenko, which I think is tremendous, and, you know, I guess stitching it together yourself, you go off and play in a space that I'm working in, in TCR. You got to drive an Alfa Romeo. How was that whole experience, something 180 of a supercar? How did you, yeah, how yeah. Did you find that? Yeah, it was it was very, very different. Um, and, yes, Betty Clemenko um, helped me out a lot, uh, which was incredible you know i certainly didn't expect that but the first person i got on the phone once you know the announcement came about my my contract being um you know void Mm -hmm. uh for 2021 was was betty and she said hey i want to help you out for next year financially with tcr and um i just thought wow that's that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. you know to and and that's one thing i pride myself on in this sport is never burning bridges you know um so for her to step up and say that um i was yeah stoked so i uh you know at that stage i just wanted to race anything and um and and i had ash seawood calling works me hard, and doesn't he on that whole deal he's a workhorse he's yeah, a workhorse workhorse yeah. so ash rang me and said mate let's let's just get this going like we didn't have the full budget um and you know credit to him he just said mate let's just get it underway and we'll work it out on the way and so we rolled up to the first round we had a test day before that and um i thought far out <laughs> what have i what have i got myself into here <laughs> this is different <laughs> um like the front wheel drive is just it's so different you know you gotta it's a completely different oh, i would say skill set but technique um you know they they oversteer an entry when you're on the brake and then you sort of got to overlap brake with throttle on turning to to tame the rear and then you have to be able to rotate the car on throttle when it's you know when it's wanting to understeer because you're on the gas it's like it's it's just so 
so backwards in the way that you do it. You, it's basically best thing to describe it. It's like driving a supercar backwards in really? reverse. Really, it's like driving in reverse. So when you, t- if you imagine driving a supercar or any road car, any rear wheel road car, into a corner backwards, get on the brake, turn the wheel, and the and the thing steers so hard. You know, <laughs> it's it felt like that. It felt like a shopping trolley in the rear. Um, but it was so cool to be able to learn a new craft. And then we rolled out at Tassie and stuck it on, was it pole? I think oh, it was yeah. pole, yeah, mm-hmm. for the first one. Uh, and then, you know, won a race, finished up second in two others, but did actually win one of them, but got a penalty for, I think they said I creeped on the start. So that was cool to, to start the campaign that way. And I thought, oh, this isn't so bad. Um, and then uh, and we had a blank canvas on the car because we just had Betty supporting us and um, and then I had ACT fence hire um, come in on board who's you know he, he's a great guy Angelo um, he he came on board and, and helped me out as well and then we rolled into the second round we had Philip Island and we had some weight ballast put into the car and that's the thing that I, I started I got a bit frustrated about that side of it was the, the BOP side yep. Um. Yeah, and then you know we had we had a few issues with reliability in the car for the rest of the year, which was a bit of a shame. Um, but I did enjoy it. You know, I enjoyed I enjoyed driving that car, and I actually, you know, I've said plenty of times that it I felt like it did improve my style for the supercar oh, in wow. a, in some way because mm-hmm. I never liked a loose car on entry, but then. You know, rolling back in, maybe it was what helped drive Chaz's car because he does like a car that's very pointy on entry and it was no dramas, you know. I didn't even think about it. So um, maybe that contributed. But, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was, it was very different to supercar. That whole year all I wanted to do was be in a supercar. Um, but, yeah, good fun, good, good category. While we're we're reminiscing a little here, can we can we reminisce about the Smiths Trucks Commodore? Because for me, that sort of evokes memories of working on the trackside program, and you were reunited with that car very recently. What kind of what comes back when you think of that machine? <laughs> so I, well, I, I th- that actual car I drove with Philip Skyfleet, mm-hmm. and that was crazy. That on my five hundredth race. We were racing at the same track as I did my first race in supercars, and I thought that, that's just yeah, it's mm. really fitting. And, um, and and what the Groves did to get that car there and to organise all that that was really cool. And so you know, appreciated it so much. Not many people get to stand beside the car with the same livery mm. and that looks in the exact same condition as what it did back then. Um, you know. 18 years later, or 19, maybe, I don't know how many years it is, so long. <laughs> um, nearly two decades decades later, standing beside the same car that you raced your first race with and next to your car that you're racing your 500th with. But what comes to mind, um, I remember in that first race, down the back, scru- back straight, uh, I don't think I'd jumped in the car yet, but we were in the race, Sandown 500, and Philip Skyfleet hit the pit lane limiter i think halfway down the back straight Mm -hmm. didn't realize it and so we had an engine like a big flame out in the airbox uh which developed into a fire Fire. and then he Mm. pulled off uh at at the second last corner 
and the thing was a smoking rack. Um, so yeah, that that was my first memory of it. But my other memory, and these all sound like really bad memories, but <laughs> I uh, my first round in sorry, it was my well my first round in super, in in development series was at Wakefield Park, and it was raining, and I finished up sixth in my first race, and I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. And then we went off to Adelaide. Um, Alan Gurr was my teammate. We were both in Smith's Trucks cars, and Gurry put it in the fence at turn eight. It must have been on about lap three. And then lap four, I put it in the fence at turn eight as well, or after a safety car. Um, and my boss, Rob Smith, thought he was watching a replay. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. Not one, but two. Yeah. <laughs> A bit oh. like how people thought the second plane for 9-11 was a replay, but probably not uh, not quite as extreme as that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the um, uh, that, that was my memory. But to be honest, it, in some ways it really hurt Alan's career that, that weekend. But in another way for me it, it helped mine because um, Alan stopped racing and a lot of the good stuff that was on his car then came onto my car because my car wasn't as bad as his he he basically wrote his off um so then paul morris was helping gurry out during that phase and uh and he sort of came across and started helping me a fair bit at that point as well and um so yeah paul was a was a massive help to me as well and that was really like that was one of the points where i i think i can i can identify as a bit of a, a point in my career that Gave me a break. Did it? In in what way? Because uh, because Paul was helpful yeah. and it opened doors and things. Or? Yeah. Well, I think the focus switched from Alan to me, mm. and Alan was always the you know Paul's protege. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so so you know it, it was now the focus was was completely on me, and and Paul put me in his car, tested me in his car, in his supercar, um, helped me out a lot put me uh, in in at Norwell uh, as a driving instructor and, um, you know, really got behind me and pushed me, uh, pushed Robert Smith to keep upgrading the car and um, and then trying to help me find opportunities in the sport as well and really just with advice. Um, you know, Paul uh, is, is a guy that tells it how it is, it as is. we know, mm. and... You know, he doesn't like people that don't put in effort. So he could see, you know, that I was prepared to do everything I could to, to make it. And so he just suggested a few things. Also, Ryan McLeod was massive in, in that um, phase as well. Even up to this point, he's been great advice for me and, and pushed my barrel pretty hard. Um, he spoke to Gary Rogers, got him to sort of try and follow my progression. Um, and at Queensland Raceway, I remember this is another turning moment um i qualified second on the grid next to dean canto at qr and uh and i was looking for an endurance drive for bathurst that year with uh with someone um and and luckily you know ryan had already been in contact with gary so gary was watching and he called me over after that quality session he said hey we want you to drive for us for bathurst unreal so we did the deal basically on a handshake deal in the truck (laughs) in about two minutes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't going to say no. No, yeah. Um, and and I ended up driving with uh, with Philip Skyfleet. Funny enough, um, in my first Bathurst with Gary. You are renowned 
among your mates as being handshakes. Aren't yeah, you? yeah, you that, do, you yeah. Do. I had it on my helmet at one point. point I had yeah. it as a bit of an artistic flair on the helmet. Mm. <laughs> there's, but there's like a, I don't know whether that it was Ant Man at the time doing my helmet, and he um, he had like two hands shaking each other, and one of the hands had fingers crossed. <laughs> so him. So, yeah, I think it, I'm hoping he meant it was the other party. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've always, yeah, um, Perkins and Moff and those guys, Caruso, they always give me give me crap about being handshake Holdsworth because but, I... I uh, I think that's probably why I got on so well with Gary Rogers mm. because he's... That's how he does things, you know, largely. Yeah, it's mm. that old mm. school nature. Mm. Um, my The way that I've grown up, it's it's all, you know, everything's based on your word and you're only as good as your word and all that sort of stuff. So if I shake hands with someone and, and we come to an agreement, that's as good as a contract done in my eyes. But unfortunately, you know, it becomes too easy for people to get out of... Mm. Contracts when it's only uh, you know when there's nothing down on paper. Great reflection of your character, though, mate, in the in the corporate landscape in in which we live, the litigious whatever you want to call it landscape that you have stuck to largely that policy with a number of things. I think tremendous. Just come back one step if we can. You're talking about people like Ryan McLeod, Paul Morrison, and what went down with Gurry there, and, and so on. I just want to underscore your commitment to this, if we can, too. You told a great story to Noons about emailing a lot of teams, telling them, hey, I'm here, I, I just want to come and learn, I, I'll, I'll be on the crew, whatever it might be, didn't you? You, you really... Yeah. yeah. yeah and well, Ryan was the guy that responded, I think, wasn't he? So. He was. He was. That's the end of part one of my podcast with driver's driver Lee Holdsworth. Don't think for a moment that his likeable nature makes him a walkover when it comes to battles on track. When that helmet goes on, he is tough. And that's because of the road that he has walked to get here. We continue on that theme and much more in part two, which is all loaded up and ready for you to enjoy in our Rusty's Garage library right now. You can hit the go button. There is lessons for young racers in there about rolling your sleeves up, immersing yourself and doing everything you can, the hard yards, to learn.